The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibilities for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast that aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is another episode of Subtext, a subset of the Enough podcast. Today we're doing things a little bit different than normal. Before we jump into the episode and the crux of everything we're going to be talking about, I wanted to start off with a little movie recap. It's 1993. A large St. Bernard, named after a classical music composer and his generic suburban family, are back on the big screen, stealing hearts once again. This time, Beethoven and his family, the Newtons, are at their lake house. I am going to be recounting the story of their daughter, Rice, who is a probably, I don't know, 15-year-old? Something like that. Uh, She is long and lanky and blonde, and she has the most innocent but deep crush on this like total high school douche jock named Taylor Devereaux, the douchiest, jockiest high school douche jock name of all time. I was going to say, that's a, that's a douchey of all douche names. Also, if you look up the guy who played Tyler Devereaux, his name is Ashley Hamilton, and he's like mega hot still. Also, Ashley Hamilton sounds like a prep school kid name. Yeah, he's going to give you a wedgie. Both of those guys are going to give you wedgies. Yeah, they beat me up so much in high school. So Rice Newton has a crush on Taylor Devereaux in Beethoven too. And she ends up on a walk with Beethoven around the lake and she sees him on a balcony of his house. And of course his parents aren't home. He's throwing a giant lake house party, right? As all 16 plus year olds get to do when you're super rich, I guess. I don't know. But he said, come upstairs. And she was like, how can I say no to Taylor Devereaux? So she ties Beethoven around a stake that is holding up the overhang, kind of like the the deck of the house that goes over the lake. She ties him there. She says, be good. And she goes up to into the house where Taylor was not ready to be good. She gets her inside of a bedroom. He closes the door. And this scene was always so off-putting. Like, I really liked both of the Beethovens, one and two. I think there's like seven more, but I really like the two like legit original ones. But this scene, even when I was little, was like really scary to me because he closed the door, stood in front of it, and pretty much all but says he's about to rape her. And he's like, you're going to like this. You're going to want this. Like, it's good. And it's a really scary scene for, like, a child to watch in general. Like, you don't really understand it, but she knows that the man's doing something bad, right? Also in a children's movie. Yeah. Also, like, ahead of its time, because this is the 90s talking about, like, teen rape. Yeah. Not the same way American Pie did it. No, very different. (laughs) So Rice cries out for help, and Beethoven saves her by literally pulling at that stake that he's at till the house basically falls in half. And like all the kids land in the lake and she's standing in the like still standing part of the house looking down on all these like drowning frat kids like screaming and crying. And she's like, thanks, Beethoven. Um, (laughs) But flash to the end of the movie where she ends up with like the cool rocker dude with like the dangly earring and the skull t-shirt who I also had a really big crush on. That guy in real life, is played by Danny Masterson, who we're talking about today, who just got convicted of two counts of rape. So, full circle, she, much like many other people I know, thought she was doing the right thing, getting out of a bad situation, ended up in a completely worse situation, if it was real life. If it was real life. 
Right. Although, you know, that character in that movie could be the actual Danny Masterson. Who knows? We don't know. Um, movies are documentaries sometimes. And Beethoven is cute. And Beethoven is cute. A little more background on Danny Masterson. I would wager to guess the majority of people know him from his most well-known role, stoner Stephen Hyde from That 70s Show, a show which ran from 1998 to 2006. And ever since then, on every single other syndicated TV station known to the human race, I think you could, at one point, you could turn on any time of the day and it would be on some channel. You may also know him as a member of the Church of Scientology. Lovely. Yeah. We'll be circling back to that in just a bit. But in March of 2017, three women came forward and filed sexual assault charges against Masterson with a fourth person filing in November of that year. All four of them stated that he had raped them in his Hollywood home between the years of 2001 and 2003, the height of that 70s show's popularity. At the time of the charges being levied against him, he was working on the Netflix show The Ranch, which co-starred and was co-produced by his That 70s Show co-star Ashton Kutcher. It was noted that a Netflix executive Andy Yeatman, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeet. Yeet. Man. <laughs> Who at the time was the director of global kids content for Netflix, has unknowingly told one of the accusers that he didn't think the allegations were credible. He was later fired. Masterson himself was let go from the ranch in December of 2017. And his agency, United Talent, cut ties with him after 20 years of representation. And then in August of 2019, the four accusers, who now um, two of them were named, including Babette Realis and Chrissy Carnell Bixler, uh, sued Masterson, the Church of Scientology, and its leader, David Miscavige, for stalking them in efforts to silence their claims. If anyone knows anything about Scientology, this is kind of their MO. While Scientology has been exposed again and again over many years through different exposés and shows and articles, um, shows like Leah Remini's Scientology and the Aftermath, it seems like people are very aware of what the church is doing as a whole, but may not be aware of the new leader, David Miscavige, new being like since the 80s. It's not L. Ron Hubbard, basically. And what a complete pile of shit he is. If you want to know more specifically about David Miscavige, the guys from last podcast on the left recently did a multi-parter about him specifically, which outlines how he basically kind of conned his way to the top and just the complete insanity that seems to kind of follow. While Scientology had very questionable ideas before, it was really under Miscavige where the kind of stalking and the, the violence and the ruthlessness uh, really flourished, unfortunately. I would also recommend the documentary Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief from 2015. Excellent film, terrifying the stuff that you learn about this quote-unquote religion and yes. the sway that they have over so many people and just how ruthless they are when people try to leave. Excellent documentary. In June of 2020, Masterson was arrested and charged with raping three women between 2001 and 2003. Basically, he was accused of pulling a Cosby, drugging the women's drinks so he could rape them. Charming. In June of 2021, he pled not guilty. He and his team claimed that all acts were consensual, of course. 
of course, and attempted to discredit the women's stories by highlighting changes and inconsistencies over time, which he said showed signs of coordinating between the two. Also shocking. Oh, the the old Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Textbook example of reasons why people claim they're innocent. In October 2022, Masterson's defense asked the court to bar any mentions of the Church of Scientology. And I think it's important to let everyone know that the three women that are accusing him are former members of the church, and Masterson is still a current member of the Church of Scientology. And now before we go further into the trial, we want to dive a little bit more, as Rich had mentioned, into Scientology's involvement in the case. All three of Masterson's accusers were members, as I had stated, and two of them actually knew him and met him from church social circles. So they would have never come in contact with him if they had not met through the Church of Scientology. Those two women both stated that the church dissuaded them from sharing their rapes with law enforcement and then forced them to go through the Scientology ethics program. Quick note, if you're not familiar, there's all these different programs and levels and things you have to go through. And if you say something that's deemed wrong to someone within the church, then you're stuck going through specific programs that can be very monotonous, very challenging, very uh, physically, emotionally, and mentally harsh to deal with. And this is one of those. So basically, they spoke out and they got punished within their own church for doing so. They also do this quite often. They don't like people going to the police. Everything should be handled through the church with mediators or quote-unquote mediators with the church higher-ups to keep the good name of the church going. They don't want police involved ever in anything. Which is funny because there's actually a quote out there that I found that stated uh, from Scientology stating, oh no, we always want people to go to law enforcement. We're law-abiding citizens and we prefer that anyone bring up any sort of issues with LAPD or whoever PD. But the third woman uh, had actually been Masterson's girlfriend for five years when she woke up to him raping her and she actually had to pull him by the hair to force him to get off of her and to stop. And when she told the higher-ups in Scientology what occurred, she was told, and this is a direct quote, you can't rape someone that you're in a relationship with. Don't say that word again. Scientology is well known for covering up the misdoings and secrets of the Hollywood elite. As we just mentioned, they don't like it when people go to the police. You know, Tom Cruise is their poster boy. He's like their mascot. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they have these... Hollywood elite actors and musicians and artists who can kind of be the face of Scientology to show like, no, we wouldn't be involved in something that's like untoward or is trying to take advantage of people. Look at how good they are. You can't believe the people who are saying bad things about it because Beck would never be involved with something, you know. Wait, is Beck a Scientologist too? He used to be. He's not anymore. Oh, shit. As far as I know. People can change. <laughs> People can change. That's right. If Beck can change, anyone can change. Masterson is still backed by the church, and because of his famous actor status, uh, has an extremely well-funded legal team. The women accusing him do not have that same access to money and uh, well-funded legal teams. It's David and Goliath on a few levels. It's the patriarchy holding women down. It's 
people being accused of rape, which is so often and so many times thrown out in a court of law or even before it reaches the court of law. And it's up against Scientology, who, because of their reach and people who are involved, one of the things with Scientology is they ask you to give money constantly, all the time. It's a whole hierarchical system. That's, yeah. that's the only way it works, is you only get to a certain level if you donate this much and you go through right. The books cost so much, and then you go through the course, and you have to pay for the course, and once you complete that, then you move up to the next level. But they've actually created like six more levels since the original levels, and you have to be like at a million plus dollars before you even get out of the first like few levels. It's such a racket, but this is not a podcast about Scientology, but we might start one because we have a lot to say about this, apparently. I had no idea I had, well, I knew I had this many <laughs> feelings about Scientology, but I didn't know I was going to rant off like this. But uh, stay tuned for Enough Podcast, the sequel, Scientology, go bye-bye. <laughs> oh, no. In November 2022, just last year, the jury announced that they were deadlocked, and Masterson, in the beginning of this year, was actually allowed a retrial in January of 2023. During this most recent trial, the second version, the jury included seven women and five men. And while they could not reach a verdict on the third claim, they did find him guilty on two other counts of rape just last month. But we don't know the outcome of what's going to happen yet. Uh, he does face sentencing in August, so coming up next month. And from what they're stating, he could face up to 30 years in prison. Obviously, we don't know that's going to happen. That's the maximum sentence for a celebrity, for, you know, all the fucking hoop jumping that's going to happen. It's probably going to be half that or less. But... The fact that anything is going to happen, hopefully it's not a Bill Cosby situation where we see him walking out a year to two years later from a white-collar prison, totally fine, without any sort of acknowledgement of the harm that he's caused, without any sort of help for the behaviors that he obviously has instilled in him in some way to consistently be doing the same act over and over again. You know, we're hoping it's not that kind of situation, but only time is going to tell. Bringing up someone like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein is interesting because the difference between those cases or Ron Jeremy is another example. Good example. These are older people. Masterson is not old. Like he cannot use a, oh, I have, I'm in such ill health that I can't be in prison. I'm blind. I can't walk. Or even that kind of idea of, like, different time, different generation. I was exactly to treat women differently. It, it, he's 45, 47, something like that. We're not talking about the 70s or 80s. Like, these instances happened in 2003, past the time of back in the day. 20 years ago, it's not that long ago. We knew what things were like. We knew how people should be treated, just in general. Yeah, just because just you're on a show about the 70s, that doesn't mean you can act like you fucking douchebag. <laughs> Maybe that's, maybe he was just, you know, getting so into the role that he got a bunch of- No more flared corduroys for you. But again, we don't know what the sentencing is going to be, but this does set precedent. The Marilyn Manson trial will be coming up at some point, or a or trial for Steven Tyler happens, or the singer from Rammstein with everything that has come out about him. This sets a precedent that no longer- can money and power and influence necessarily get you out of it's not a get out of jail free card yeah and again they're they're going up against the church of scientology so this is not 
just, you know, Johnny Depp and his really great legal team. This would be like if Johnny Depp was backed by the Catholic Church plus his really great legal team with nothing but funding. And all of a sudden, he actually was convicted. So this trial actually rocked the boat a lot, as we talked about. We don't know what's going to happen, but ultimately, it's going to set a precedent in some way, in a positive way, something we have not seen before, and hopefully something that will start making waves throughout Hollywood, throughout just the culture in general, and trickle down to everyone in their tinier communities. Hopefully it empowers more women and people to come forward if they have been raped or assaulted. And it's it can be so disheartening to just see over and over again people getting away with, with stuff like this. You see famous people getting away with literally murder sometimes and a lot of times rape and assault. So for something like this to happen, it's let's not understate how huge it is. Like this is a big deal. This is something that could signify a changing of the tide on how cases like this go moving forward. So I guess the best way to end this is to quote Stephen Hyde himself from that 70s show. In talking to Kelso, Ashton Kutcher's character, he said, We got to watch you fall, man. I had a blast. Burn! Enough is a podcast centering on surviving abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, booking agent, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential. <laughs>